morning and have the opportunity to uh, share with you. Uh, it's, it's one of the things that I really love to do, and I probably say this every time, but I really love speaking uh, God's word and, and preaching, and, uh, and I've realized more and more as, um, as I speak, uh, you know, at youth group each week, or most weeks to the middle school, uh, it, it really helps me to process through. Uh, in general, I, I, I learn um, through hearing, being lectured. Uh, right? I love listening to sermons and, and lectures and, and being taught. Reading a book does nothing for me but make me feel like I'm wasting my time. Um, and, and, and so that's how I learn, is through just hearing um, something being taught, and, and I realize more and more that even as I'm speaking um, and trusting that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking through me, um, it really helps me to process things, and uh, there will even be times at youth group where I'm saying something, and it, it'll just click. I'll be, oh, it wasn't until I heard myself saying it that it, it finally clicks. Um, so I really love speaking um, just for that aspect because um, it helps me to learn and to connect with God in, uh, in a unique way. And I love speaking because I love God, and I love his son, Jesus Christ. And um, there's a very definite moment in my life where uh, God told me, and I, without hesitation, responded, yes, absolutely, um, that, that I would want to share his love with anyone who would listen. Uh, so I'm just, again, happy uh, to be able to share this passion with you. And, and this morning, what I want us to think on and consider and spend time on is, is knowing the love of God, right? Uh, and I have my three points, okay? I'm working hard at getting this three-point structure. It's not my... I'm a rambler. Uh, like, if I could, I'd just get up here and go um, and... I would ignore the clock, and um, it wouldn't be that great. But I have my three points. I want to talk about um, what it means to know God's love. Right? What does it mean? What, I mean, what does it mean to know God's love? Uh, and then talk a little bit about the danger of of not knowing or the danger of doubting in God's love. And then uh, end with how we can better know. God's love, how we can better know that he loves us. Uh, and of course, the implications of God's love we'll be talking about throughout all of that. All right, so uh, I want to uh, open with some prayer, obviously, of course. So let us pray before we really get into it. Father, we thank you that you are God of love, that you are yourself love, and that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have sought us out, uh, and that you, have, um, that you have loved us ultimately through your Son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice, uh, and now through your Holy Spirit teaching us and guiding us. God, it is your love that, um, that is the reason for our life. The reason that we have life is that you love us. The reason that you... Uh, sent your son to die for us is that you love us. So help us now to understand and begin to better grasp and know rightly 
your great love for us. Please do this by the power of your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts um, in the new life that you've given us because of the obedience of your son, Jesus Christ, to lay down his life on our behalf. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So the, the magnitude of God, I, I think, reveals to us uh, the vastness of his love. It reveals a lot of things to us, but um, we're talking about his love. So, so just how big God is, um, and not necessarily physically, but just how awesome, how mighty, how magnificent he is, uh, helps us to know and to see just how great his love is for us, how vast his grace is that he extends to us. And, uh, and I want to start with talking about how we can kind of see God's uh, magnitude in creation. Right? Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Right? So we can see just how awesome God is as we look at his creation. Okay, so I want to start, uh, let's, look, let's look at Saturn. Okay, so I hope you can all see that. That is a picture of Earth. Can you see that small little dot? Tiny little dot, that's Earth. And those lines are Saturn's rings. This was taken by Cassini, um, spacecraft several years ago. I, don't, I didn't take note of when. Um, and it's incredible. Those are Saturn's rings, and that dot is the sun's light reflecting off the Earth and the moon. It's big out there, okay? Can we go to the next picture? I like this one. So that's Saturn and its rings, and that dot with the arrow pointing to it, again, is the sun reflecting off the Earth and the moon. In this picture, Cassini, the spacecraft... Uh, is 898 million miles away from Earth. And that basically means nothing to us because I don't think we can really comprehend that distance. Um, which is great. I don't want it to make sense to us. I just look at these pictures and it just blows me away. Uh, Cassini, the spacecraft, is also 753,000 miles from Saturn. Okay, so in that picture... The camera is 753,000 miles away from that. It's the dark side of Saturn right there uh, in the upper left-hand corner. And just for some perspective, right? So, again, it's 753,000 miles from Saturn. The Earth is 898 million miles away. Our moon is only 238,900 miles from the Earth. So that camera is three times the distance from Saturn that our moon is. And I, I didn't get a picture of it, but if, if you have seen and can picture in your head a picture of Earth from the moon, it's tiny. It's, it's, it's small. It does not take up even close to that of what Saturn takes up in this picture. But the camera is three times the distance away from, that the moon is from the Earth. And so, I mean, I love space. It was this video um, of Louis, uh, Louis Giglio talk. Uh, I think that's how you say his last name. I just never questioned it because I like that. I like how it sounds when I say it like that. Um, 
And it's this talk, he's talking about space, and he's talking about the, the magnitude of God. And he's talking about space and the stars and our solar system, and just how big it is, and how God just spoke, and there it was. Just this massive space where these massive things exist. Um, and even just our solar system, which is tiny uh, relative to the size of the universe and, and all that we can see out there, um, it's huge. And I just think, man, that is, that is God's creation. He just invented all of that. He just thought it up. And he just said, hey, exist. And boom, it did. And that he is just this massive, incredible, huge God, not in physical size, but in his, his love is infinite and eternal and bigger than any of this, far greater than we could ever imagine. And so I love space. That video really turned me on to just, whoa, space is really cool. And I, um, and I just do some little casual digging, you know, on the internet, just searching, wow, that's really neat. Um, and I come across these, these little facts that really just blow me away. Um, and I, I learned recently, I think actually this summer, I learned that, that Pluto wasn't discovered until 1930, which I just thought everyone knew about all the planets all the time. And that's just my ignorance. I just didn't know. 1930 it was discovered. It takes Pluto 248 Earth years travel around the sun once to complete one orbit. So since it's been discovered in 1930, it will not complete an, a full orbit around the sun until the year 2178. It's, it's just still going. Takes forever, because it is so far out there. Right? NASA launched the Voyager spacecrafts in like 1977, and they reached Pluto I don't know, I didn't, in 2000-something, okay? They just went, okay? And they just reached Pluto not that many years ago. Um, although it did not take uh, New Horizons that long because it was probably newer and could go faster. So, I mean, space is huge, and I didn't put this in my notes because I told myself I wouldn't talk about it, but I'm getting, just getting excited about it now. Um, in his video that Louis Giglio does, and you can find it on YouTube, if you just go to YouTube and type in Louis Giglio, it'll come up. Um, he talks about this star called Canis Majoris. And man, is it big, okay? Um, it's, it's big. So uh, I won't get into any numbers, but if you took Canis Majoris and put it where our sun is, it would... Just it, the space it would take up would reach Saturn's orbit. Okay, so looking at this picture, the Earth, right, the distance that we see here, if, if Canis Majoris was there, Earth would be halfway through, straight through Canis Majoris. It's massive, about 4 billion miles in circumference. Okay, the Earth is 24,900 miles in circumference. It's huge, okay? And God was just like, hey, and there it was. And the love that he has for you and I is far greater than that, far more powerful than these massive stars that exist out there. 
And so when we talk about God's love, I don't know, I guess you could just leave that up there so people can look at it. That's fine. It's my last slide. Um, when we talk about God's love or anything about God uh, and the truth of who he is, um, I want us, at least this morning, to, to, I want to pose the question, not my question, this is Del Tackett's question uh, that he asks in his series, The Truth Project, that really um, caused me to think differently and more deeply on the truths of God. And so he, he asks this question, he says, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And it's just, it's a challenge asking, asking you if you really believe what you claim to believe. Right? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? I'm sure I could ask every one of you in this room today, in the vast majority, I could ask you, does God love you? And you say yes. Right, that's, an, that's easy to say that. We know that, right, on some level. But do you really believe that? Do you really fully buy into that and entrust your entire existence on that truth? Uh, and, and ultimately, I come to this question, and, and the answer is, is no. Right? Not that I don't believe in God and his salvation and his love, but I... I look at my life, and um, right, and and the reason I struggle with sin, the reason I struggle to love others, the reason I I struggle to live as Christ lived in His time on this earth, is because there are aspects of my faith that are not where there's still so much doubt, where there, where I haven't really fully bought into and given my all to these truths. And so this question isn't meant to to just shatter your faith, but rather, I mean, what is your faith? How deep does it run? Is it really found solely in the truths of God? Uh, or have you and I allowed a bit of doubt to creep in uh, and cause us to to be shaky in, in maybe in certain situations? Right, so do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And so when we talk about God's love, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God loves you? I mean, do you really believe wholeheartedly beyond the shadow of a doubt that he loves you? And that his love for you is what compelled him to die for you? Right? Now, I think that his love is his most glorious attribute. That his love is what brings him the most glory. And we talk about and we say that all things exist for God's glory. And uh, we were created to worship and glorify God. And, um, and I think it, it, it's easy for us to kind of slip into the mindset of, I don't really matter, or I'm not that important, or God doesn't really love me. We're just here to please him and glorify him. But you cannot separate God's love for you from his glory. Right? And in a sense, without going too far with it, you cannot separate your existence from God's glory. They are they're intimately linked. God has chosen 
to use you and I through his son Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to display his glory by his love. Okay, we are not separated. We cannot be separated from his glory. He is using us in that he loves us to bring glory to his name. Right? He's not using us in, in that he just doesn't care and he's going to make us do his will so that everyone sees how great God is. He's going to show the world how great he is because, how great, because of how great he, his love for you is. Right? His glory is that he loves you in and through Jesus Christ. I'm not going to separate us from Christ. Or I'm not going to leave Christ out of that equation. Right? So when, when I, and this is something I, I, I struggle with. I tell you, I, I, um, I wanted to preach on this because um, this is difficult for me. Okay? I really have a hard time trusting and believing that God loves me. Um, or really, I mean, anyone for that matter. It's difficult for me. And um, that's just the way it is. You know, I don't know why it's like that. It's just difficult for me. Um, and so it's something I wrestle with and I struggle with, but that also means that I have a passion for it. I want people to know, right, that God loves them. And, and I feel sort of hypocritical because I can be telling someone, hey, God loves you no matter what, absolutely, forever, amen, while I'm sitting here thinking, well, I think God kind of doesn't love me right now, right? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I struggle with this truth, as I think many of us do or have at some point in our life, and maybe you haven't, okay? Um, maybe you have just always known and believed wholeheartedly that God loves you, and uh, that's a wonderful blessing. Um, you should enjoy that, okay? That is God's grace in his hand in your life, that, that you experience that joy, All right, where are we? Okay. So, um, his love is the foundation for his grace, his mercy, his salvation, his patience. It's because he loves us that he's gracious toward us. It's because he, he, he loves us that he is kind toward us. Because he loves us, he offers us salvation. He sends his son. Because he loves us, he has mercy on us. And so when I look at God's love, it, I, it, it really is that attribute of him that propels all of his action toward us. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. It's a good thing we put bookmarks in here. I wasn't going to put bookmarks in my Bible because I thought I'll just do it. But Even with the bookmarks, which one is it? There it is. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. Okay, and this just lays out the gospel and human history and our existence so perfectly. And it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So there we are, dead in our sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us in Jesus Christ, gives new life and the ability to know him and to know his love. so that he can show us his kindness. And that's, my focus is not to talk about it, but that just always kind of catches me off guard. Because even at times when I can grasp and understand and take hold of the truth that God loves me, there's still sometimes this feeling of, yeah, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's all going to work out okay, and and that maybe he's going to run me through the ringer because he loves me. Uh, You know, there is discipline in God's love, but ultimately, he loves us, saves us in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. God is not interested in being mean or rude or short He desires only to show you his kindness in his love. And that, like, that's hard for me to, to understand. Um, but it is the truth. And it is glorious that God could love you and I. That God had made a way to love you and I. That is his glory. That is the most glorious thing I think of God that he could take dead, sinful people and love them. Okay, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Right? It is because of his love that he acts toward us, that he sends his son for us. All right, so what does it mean? We're getting to the first point now. Welcome to the end of the intro. What, is, what, what does it mean to know God's love? Right? And there, I mean, I don't know if there's only two ways, but you can know something and then you can know something. Right? Um, I know, I, I can know a lot of things about a person, right? I can, I can Google um, Ryan Gosling. Okay, he's, I really like him as an actor, right? I can Google Ryan Gosling, and I can, I can know a lot about him. I can, I can probably learn his favorite color, uh, his favorite cars, uh, where he lives, um, what his house looks like. Uh, I, lots of things. I can know lots of things about this guy, um, But that doesn't mean I've met him. That doesn't mean I've spent time with him. That doesn't mean I know who he is as a person. That doesn't mean I know what drives him, what 
his deep convictions are, what leads him to live his life the way he lives it. Right? I can know things about God. I can know that God loves me, that God loves you, and I can, uh, and I can read Bible verse after Bible verse, and you can know that God loves you. Right? You can hear that information and understand what those words are communicating on, at their most basic level. But to know God's love is to not just have this, this intellectual understanding of being able to string those words together, is to trust and rely on and place your entire being and existence in the truth that the God of the universe loves you absolutely and will do and has done anything and everything for you because he loves you. And when we talk about love, it's, it's a difficult concept to grasp already. And then when we talk about God's love, it's all the more difficult. I remember, I should probably ask my wife before I tell her, before I uh, decide to share things about our relationship. But um, that, it will just be a great conversation point later on. Um, <laughs> It's not, it's not a bad thing. I remember when I decided, <laughs> um, this will maybe sound uh, strange to some of you, but I think to my wife it will make sense. When I decided that I loved my wife, right, when I realized that, that I loved her and decided right, and made a choice to love her in that same moment, um, I remember it very clearly. I called her. Um, I don't remember what day it was or anything, but um, I called her uh, after her class. We were, she was, we would talk as she was driving home, and I said, you should come over. And she was like, yeah, of course. Um, so, and I was like, I'm going to tell her. And I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous. Uh, I wasn't hesitant. I just knew. Say, I, I, I love her. Of course I'm going to tell her. Um, and it was because I thought a lot about it. I thought a lot about what love is, what I believe love to be. Um, and I, in that moment, I, I, I think I had the clearest understanding of what true love might be. Uh, and at times it's hard for me to remember what that felt like and what, how I could define that. But... But I remember she came over and I told her and, and then I sat there and I explained it to her. <laughs> I explained to her why I loved her and what that meant, right? Um, <laughs> I think it was romantic. I don't know. <laughs> because it wasn't just that, oh, I think you're so great and I really love... Um, when we spend time together and we have so much fun and, and, you know, and it just feels really good, that wasn't it at all. That was not at all why I loved her. Those things, that's wonderful. But it was, it was I was compelled toward her by this unknown outside force, which is and was ultimately the love of God that he has for her and is choosing me to, to display that to her. 
And I don't remember exactly what it, but I think I explained that to some extent. I said, I, I, I just like, you need to know that it's, that it's not just that I feel these things, it's that I recognize that there is this awesome, powerful, mighty, loving God who wants to show you and tell you that he loves you and he's using me and I can't help it. I can't stop it. Not that I want to. I just, he's using me to love you. And um, in, in our vows for our wedding, I, one of the, we wrote our own vows, which was great. I think it was not my idea, but I think I liked the idea. Um, right? And I, I communicated in this way. I said, God is love and you are lovely and I'm happy to be the middleman. Okay, and and so this is how I be how how I understand love that we have for one another is that true love, right? True godly love is that He is loving others through us, and we just get to experience that. And maybe we can't recognize it in that way. We can't call it out because it's so intimate, right? God works so intimately within us that. Um, that we can't separate, oh, God's loving through me uh, right now, but later on I'm just going to love it, right? It's such an intimate connection that is just happening constantly. And I think that is true godly love that we have for one another, is that we would be vessels of his love to one another. I don't know why I started talking about that. Um, But, I mean, that is how I sort of understand our love for one another, and that's how um, I, I think we get to experience the God of love most intimately is, is as we love one another. Um, and so, I mean, that is knowing God's love. That's more than just facts. It's more than just ideas. It's more than just words. It's this compelling force that is driving God's work throughout human history and in your life. And it is a force. It is power. Right? God's love is his power. It is the most powerful. And the world that doesn't know God would recognize this as well, that love is a powerful thing. Even if, they, even if it's a different type of love right, than um, a true godly love. Right? So there, you can know the words. You can know things about God but to know and experience and trust in and identify and place your existence and faith and hope solely and completely and only on the love of God is a whole nother level. And in Matthew, uh, Jesus is not talking about God's love specifically, um, but Matthew 21 21 through 23. Jesus says, sorry, 21 through 22. I don't know if I wrote that down right. That's not the right reference. I wrote that down wrong. And I don't remember where. I can paraphrase it. Um, 
Sorry. All right, so um, Jesus is talking about um, how some will come to him uh, and they'll say, Lord, Lord. And, and they will say, we cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. Um, and, and, what they're, and, and as I understand it, is they're basically making a claim to say, Lord, Lord, we know you. I mean, look at what we've done. It's evidence that we know you. Uh, and he doesn't even deny what they have done, right? He doesn't say that, no, you, you did not cast demons out in my name, okay? He doesn't call them out on that at all. But he's, he says, he'll say to the, some of these people, truly, truly, I, I do not know you. Depart from me. Okay, and if I wasn't, up here frantic in my mind right now, I'd be able to remember where it is in Scripture. But, but all that to say is that we can claim to know God. We can think that we know God. We can think that we know his love, and we can rely on that, and, and we can act in that knowledge, but there is a deeper understanding that is mysterious and difficult to grasp. Matthew 7. Thank you. And I should read it for us so that we're not relying on my paraphrase. So Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's that passage. Um, there is a knowledge that goes beyond facts and intellect. All right, so uh, you need to know that God loves you. I mean, you need to know you're... Salvation depends on God's love, right? And you just you need to know because God wants you to know, not so that you can achieve some sort of level of knowing God, but you need to know because God wants you to know that he loves you dearly and that you're valuable to him, okay? We can know the value of something, by the price someone is willing to pay for it. The price that God paid for your life is his own blood. You are valuable because God loves you. And he loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And that's it. there's nothing else outside of that reasoning for why. God loves you because he loves you. And as we truly love others, that's the only reason. I mean, I love my wife because I love her. That's it. Not perfectly all the time. Yeah, I struggle. But I love her because I love her. 
And to offer up any other reason outside of that would be a misunderstanding of what love is. It would be manipulative. Uh, and it would just be wrong. Okay. I it really... Um, I really had a hard time with the question, right, when you're dating someone new and it's getting serious and get engaged, people start asking questions. What do you love most about them? Uh, and, and it's not that I couldn't think about anything, but, but I mean, I would interpret that question as, why do you love her? And that's, because I do. And, uh, and, but that was, never seemed to be a satisfactory answer. Well, no, like, what about her? makes you love her. Like, what are you talking about? Nothing. I love her. God loves you not because there's anything about you that compels him to love you. He loves you because he loves you. Because you exist. Because he loves you. That for me is a difficult truth. That is, that is hard for me to understand. And there is a danger in not knowing or doubting in this love. If his love is the foundation for his salvation, if he sent his son because he loves us, if he offers salvation to us because of the great love with which he loved us, then not knowing or not accepting or doubting in that love is to, in that moment, maybe not ultimately, is to doubt in or not accept that salvation. Because you can't separate the two. You can't say God saves us apart from his love. If his love is the foundation for, if his, if his love is the reason why he saves us, then if you're going to throw that love out, then, then you, it's difficult. I'm not going to dance around it. You cannot accept his salvation apart from his love. You cannot believe that God does not love you and yet saved you. It's not the way it works. That's not how he set it up. That's not how he did it. Because of the great love with which he loved us, he sent his son to save us. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And I'm not saying that if you doubt in God's love that you're in danger of not being saved. Um, uh, and, and I think I'm, here I'm mostly reflecting the, the struggle that I have had throughout my life uh, in, in struggling to accept the love of God. I recognize that, that it is permanently, intimately linked to my struggle to accept his salvation because he, saved, he offers me salvation. He saved me because he loves me. Uh, and, and I don't think a moment of doubt in God's love doesn't disqualify us from his salvation as if we could disqualify ourselves. Uh, again, I just want you to see that it's not so simple as as believing the lie in a moment or in a lifetime that God doesn't love you or doubting that. It's, it's not okay is what I'm saying. And, 
And when I say it's not okay, I'm not saying, shame on you, how dare you. <clears throat> it's not okay in that you can't settle for that lie. You cannot live in that deceit of thinking that God doesn't, it's not okay, it's unacceptable. God did not love you so that you could just half-heartedly sometimes believe it, sometimes not. He absolutely loves you so that you can absolutely know it in every moment of every day of your entire existence on this planet. Or Mars, if we ever go there. You ever go there. Or the moon. Anywhere. And so in my life, I see this played out in that um, Satan made a huge effort, uh, quite successfully in many ways, to convince me that I was unlovable. And I, and I could never really understand that. I could not understand my struggle with um, depression that was ultimately found in, I don't feel like anyone loves me. I don't feel lovable. I don't feel like there's anything to love about me. Um, which was an incorrect definition of love in and of itself. But I couldn't understand why. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until God brought me to life caused me to be born again of his spirit, that I began to understand the reason Satan so viciously attacked that truth and sought to plant that lie in my heart is because if I can be convinced that I am unlovable, then God cannot love me, therefore God will not save me. And... It makes sense, right? It makes sense, but I think I never knew that link. I never called out that link between God's salvation and his love. I thought they could somehow be separate. God doesn't have to love me, but I can still be saved. That God doesn't have to love me to save me. That's absolutely not true. And so when Satan wants to destroy that, when he wants to attack that, he's not going to convince, he's not going to try to convince someone that God doesn't save them. I mean, he might, I'm not going to claim to know how he does things all the time. But the way it worked itself out in my life, and I think the strategic way that he seeks to destroy God's people in the world is to convince them that they are unlovable. Because if someone cannot accept love, then they will not accept that God loves them, and they will never accept that God saves them or can save them. You can't bridge, you can't skip over that. You can't bridge that gap. And so Satan seeks to take out that bridge of God's love. And not that I'm an expert on the world and its cultures and beliefs and worldviews, but, but I see this in the world. I see an attack on love, right, specifically. That Satan is going to attempt to convince everyone he can through broken relationships, imperfect parents, 
a warping of what true love is, right? a changing of what true love is, so that people will never even consider the salvation of God because they will never even consider that God loves them. And so it's important, I think, I know, it's important that we know and understand and firmly believe in the fact, the truth, that God loves us. Because to reject that is to reject his salvation. And I am thankful for God's salvation, absolutely. Uh, If not for him reaching down and bringing me to life, uh, I'd be dead still. And I would be convinced that I could never be loved. And that's a lie. It's just I would be deceived. That is not what God wants for you. Absolutely not. And it is not okay for you to go on thinking that you are somehow outside of, outside of God's love. It's just not, it's unacceptable because that's a lie. Do not believe that lie. So I think there is a danger in not knowing God's love. So how can we better know God's love? What can we sort of On our part, what can we do uh, to kind of guard against this in our life personally and in the lives of those around us, right? And for parents who are raising children, what can you do to ensure that they can know that God loves them? Uh, For your friends and coworkers and people you interact with, what can you do to help them know that they are lovable, and that God loves them. Read the Bible. Just do it, right? I should have gotten that Shia LaBeouf video up here. Maybe you know about it. No one laughed, so maybe you don't know about it. Or maybe it wasn't funny. Um, Just read. Spend time in Scripture. Okay, we talked, uh, you know, I talked about how we can see God in his creation, how we can know the vastness and the magnitude of God through his creation, and, and it's incredible and it's powerful, um, but, uh, you know, it falls short. It's not that great. It's really cool, but it's not that great, okay? And the purpose of Psalm 19 is not to get us to go on nature walks and see how great God is. The purpose of Psalm 19 in start opening up with the heavens declare the glory of God is to set the stage for what truly, ultimately declares the glory of God in the most perfect and beautiful and powerful way, his word. Okay, because Psalm 19 continues. Right, the first half or so of it is talking about creation declaring the glory of God. And then at verse 7... It turns and says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
Let me skip down to verse 10. It is more to be desired, or more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Right, so he's talking about the law, right? And as David is writing this, the law for him is uh, the Torah, right? the first five books of the Bible, right? But principally, the word of God, the testimony of God, is far greater a revelation of who God is than Saturn or the stars, okay? This picture cannot tell you that God loves you. They can tell you that he's big and that if he loves, his love must be great, but it, it will not communicate to you that he loves you. Let creation speak to you powerfully and move you to see just how vast and how great and big and awesome and mighty God is, but let his word explain to you specifically the characteristics of who God is and how he relates who he is to who you are. Spend time in Scripture. Spend time in the Word. Stop making excuses. Turn the TV off. Wake up 10 minutes earlier. Go to bed 10 minutes later. Read the Bible. Download an app on your phone. Carry a Bible around with you. There's absolutely no excuse. And I tell the kids at youth group, as I'm telling myself, read the Bible. Every day, open it, read it. A word, a sentence, something random, um, thought out, just open it and read it every single day. It doesn't have to be this profound, wow, I discovered something no one else has ever seen before. Okay? It doesn't even have to necessarily move you in that moment. Okay? If, if you need to build a habit of spending time in the Word, then do it. Open God's Word and read it. Stop reading other books. Read the Bible. Put your homework off. Sorry, parents. Put your homework off and read the Bible first. Don't eat breakfast. Read the Bible. Don't go get lunch on your lunch break. Read the Bible. Okay? Once you have done that, then keep doing it and don't do anything else. Uh, if only, right? There, I just feel there's a lack of urgency that if this is what tells us that God loves us, and if we need to know that God loves us to understand that he saves us, why are we ignoring this? Why are we reading Harry Potter ten times while this sits and collects dust Harry Potter just happened to come to mind because my wife loves Harry Potter. Sorry, that was not a personal attack. For me, turn the TV off. Stop watching movies. Man, I love movies. Oh, well. Right? Don't watch the Seahawks game without reading your Bible today. Just, you know, whatever it takes. You've got to read. You've got to spend time listening to God's word as he explains to you and preaches to you and reveals to you his love for you. 
and you will find it in any part of this book. We all know the song, and there's stories behind where the song came from, but Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Spend time in Scripture. Okay, memorize it, meditate on it. Okay, if you get locked up and thrown into a deep, dark cave and there's no way out and they've taken your Bible and your phone, there should be no excuse because it should be in your heart and in your mind, memorized. All of it, why not? Devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to meditating on the Word of God, and pray. Pray the truths that you read. Ask God to reveal to you through the reading of Scripture His love for you. And if you lack a desire to spend time in the Word, if you lack a motive, or if you're lazy like I am, then ask God for a passion. Not doubting, but in belief that he is a good God who gives good gifts to his children, and this is the greatest gift. Of course, he will give you time, right? He might break your TV, right? He might, he might rob you of your TV, okay? He might take your books somehow, Nobody goes into a house to steal books. Um, you might not like the way in which he does it, but pray, believing that he will, and he will. So let me leave you with these, the, the words of Jesus in John chapter 17, right, known as the high priestly prayer. And if anyone, I mean, I'm not reading, if, if anyone still doubts, right, or if you ever encounter a doubt, does God really love me? This for me is, is where I go. It is the undeniable truth. It is Jesus himself. All right, John 17, I'll start in verse 20, and it's in the middle of his prayer. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. Okay. He's praying for you. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. If you are going to deny that God loves you, then you are in the same thought or breath denying that God loves Jesus. Because 
Jesus himself plainly says he is praying so that the world may know that you sent me and that you, Father God, loved them even as you loved me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that it is difficult to understand and, and uh, that we can always be chasing after a knowledge of it because that reveals that your love is not limited, but it is infinite. And we can constantly and continue to grow in a knowledge of this truth. I pray that your spirit would work now, this morning, and throughout the rest of our lives to teach us this truth, to do away with the lies that we have believed uh, or anything that would keep us from trusting wholeheartedly and completely in your love and your love alone, and that your love is the reason that you sent your son as a sacrifice, and your love is the reason for your grace and your mercy. And you, God, are a glorious God because of your love. So let us now praise and worship you, and may, uh, may this be a sweet time as we glorify you, our Father, who loves forever. Amen.